0: Poso mawani work. waiwanan kitanani moa, a yos kipir taya, pus a yum, MITW
1: podcast. A yos pis pir and a hisekimaka, a yos o matname
0: Welcome to the Menominee Indian Tribal of Wisconsin podcast. We are your hosts, Gary Dodge.
1: And Sheena Wapus. On this episode, we are, as usual, joined by Gaspar Bowles, and he is the Public Information Officer for the Incident Command Center for the Menominee Indian Tribal of Wisconsin. And he is here to answer some of our COVID 19 questions. Um, I would like to remind everyone that we welcome community questions or topic suggestions, um, and we request that you send those to us um, at podcast.mitw.org.
0: All right, first question is, uh, what is the number that surrounding counties need to reach before we start to shut down again? Um, We've seen the number of cases in Shawano County getting higher. That's a good question. Thanks, Gary. So... We don't have a hard and fast number. So we're not saying, you know, if we see 20 cases pop up, we're going to shut back down. Um, In the Tribes Back to Action Plan, it was one of the things that we addressed. And it was based on the percentage of positive tests being run to those that are actual positive cases of COVID. So right now, Gary, like you mentioned, the Shano cases have been going up. However, the number of positive cases have been below that threshold. It's about 10% and stuff is what we're looking at for number tested positive so as long as the ratio of people being tested is still below that 10% we're not too worried about pulling the tribes uh, employment and and economy back and and moving back to our phase one where everyone's working remotely again so right now we're still at a phase two capacity where we can have you know half of our employees on site and we can still access the buildings by appointment so uh, until we see another another spike either in, you know, Shawnee County or Langley or O'Connell County, um, you know, we'll we'll be able to, to maintain operations uh with within the tribal buildings at least. It may be different for the Menominee County buildings, um, but right now that's how we're operating.
1: So um basically if it's the number of tests like per day or something like that. So you have a certain number of negative and a certain number of positive. Is that yeah, what you're saying? So
0: it's it's a percent based on the number of positive tests per day. Um, I think actually we're looking at it on a weekly basis, but we do track the daily, the daily count. Um, but yeah, it's percent positive versus you know those percent tested.
1: Got you. Um, so I had uh, my mom actually asked me this question this week. <laughs> um, so does the mask resolution that was passed for the Menominee reservation does that have like? consequences or, like, punishments for people who aren't following this, um, gu- the guidelines?
0: So I'm glad your mom asked. We did talk about this a little <laughs> bit. We can, we can definitely cover it again because I think it is important. So the mask resolution right now is just a resolution. Um, it was passed that way, so it could quickly go into, you know, the environment or the community. Uh, right now, it doesn't have any sort of consequences like fines or jail times attached to that because we wanted to pass it and assume that everyone in the community was going to be you know, willing to help protect the elders and those that might be at risk that might be immunocompromised in any sort of situation. Now, that said, if you know, I see and Dr. Schlegel and those at the clinic find that you know not enough people are wearing masks, um, the incident command team um, working in conjunction with the Menominee tribal legislature can go and and produce an ordinance which would be a more binding legal type of of uh, law I guess you could say uh, that would have consequences attached to it for non-compliance um, but that's that's kind of a last resort type thing we don't we don't want to impose new laws on everyone that that restricts their freedoms or you know makes their lives overly difficult that said let me let me throw this out for people to consider and here's here's why the mask usage is important um this last week we had an individual who works outside of the reservation boundaries um test positive for covid19 they also live with a couple elderly relatives um who incidentally were infected as well. Uh, There is a period before um, symptoms show up, it's called a latency period, uh, where people can still pass the virus to others. And because these three individuals uh, didn't know they had COVID, um, there are 16 other individuals on the reservation that are now quarantined um, and being tested to find out whether or not they were exposed beforehand. So bringing that back to mask usage, the masks, uh, have been, have been shown to cut down on the spread of disease. Um, there are studies out there where, you know, mask usage, like continual mask usage, um, of specific types of masks aren't great for people, um, because it can increase the amount of CO2 they're breathing, uh, and also can, you know, trap viral particles within the mask. But those are, are kind of rare and it's, it's better for individuals to be using those um, so they expose fewer people within the community to the virus. And so we'd really like to encourage you all to use masks, especially when you're out and about, um, so we don't accidentally or randomly expose you know, someone who might be at a higher risk level, one of our seniors, or those with you know, underlying health conditions. So there aren't consequences, but please be kind to others right now. All right. Um, if the numbers in the surrounding counties keep climbing, is there a possibility the tribe will close its borders as um, other tribes in the nation have done? So Wisconsin has a different arrangement legally with, um, with its tribes than some of the other uh, Native American and indigenous peoples do um, with theirs. From what I understand, technically, the tribe isn't allowed to close down any state highways um, and so we couldn't fully close off the reservation. Um, that said, I did contact our legal department about that. Um, we're still trying to get concrete answers for you. If you'd like, we can bring this up again. So right now, um, we would have a, a semi-permeable border if things got really bad and we moved back to a phase one and, and closed down more of the tribe, but we couldn't, we couldn't block it off entirely. So at this point, The answer is no.
1: So I've seen this argument quite a bit online. (laughs) Um, So is it true that the actual number of coronavirus cases aren't getting higher? It's just the fact that we are testing more.
0: So that's an interesting question, and I got to I got to tackle it from two sides. Okay. Um, Are we testing more? Yes, we are testing more are we finding more positive cases because of it? Yes, we are. That said, is, is it because we're just finding more? Not necessarily. The virus is out in the wild and it is spreading. So there are more people contracting the virus. Mm-hmm. That said, if you look at our testing, unlike um, um, Wisconsin uh, Department of Health, They have a specific website where they track this the the number of total cases has gone up kind of in 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 a linear direction it's basically a straight line that's not how viruses spread in real life Um, Mm -hmm. if they have what's called an r naught value of more than one r naught is the number of people that can get infected they they think that COVID has somewhere between like a two to four ish r naught so for every one person that gets infected Um, they'll infect, on average, two to four more people. Not necessarily the case. Some person could go somewhere like, you know, church or work and infect dozens of people. Could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just saying that's the Mm -hmm. average. Well, the type of growth you see with that is called um, exponential growth. And instead of more of a straight line, you get... uh, People describe it as kind of a hockey shape, where there's kind of a a low period in the very beginning, and then it and then it kind of shoots and, and rises um, at a fairly high rate. And sorry, I'm talking with my hands now. I realize this, and this is a podcast, so you can't see that. I apologize. <laughs> but um, so our our testing abilities haven't been able to keep up with an exponential type growth. Um, studies that were produced by multiple universities across the country estimated that the actual number of cases of coronavirus are between 10 and 30 times higher than our testing capacity right now so it it's it's out in the in the community at a much higher rate than we can find we're just now catching up to it though and starting to be able to find more of those cases um so it is out there and it is spreading but we are testing more and we are finding more of it so it's not that you know there's it's all because of, of one thing or the other. It's it's a combination of both of those things. All right, so what can um, the youth do to help our elders in the community during this time? So the biggest thing that we can encourage youth to do is is focus on reducing the spread of virus um, because they don't know whether they're an asymptomatic carrier or you know if mild symptoms they may have at this time are things like um, allergies or colds or flus because there are summer flus and summer summer colds um, or covid so you know we'd ask that they would participate in in the things they would normally do to reduce the spread of viruses in this case wear a mask wash your hands frequently keep physical distance between yourself and others and you know avoid large groups of people that are in, in confined and enclosed spaces and avoid you know community type food and stuff where you'd be eating out of the same dish as, you know, multiple people that aren't members of your household.
1: Um, <clears throat> so we had kind of, um, talked about vaccines a little bit. Was there some things you wanted to talk about regarding that?
0: Yeah, sure. So there's, there's been a lot of talk about vaccines and, and really quick, we should, we should back up what a, and talk about what a vaccine is. So when the body gets infected, it has two types of immune response. One is that it builds antibodies. That's the one most people are for familiar with. Um, and the other is that it builds up uh, a T cell or a white blood cell uh, immunity as well. The idea behind using a vaccine is that you can trigger both of those responses without making the person sick. So they can do this either by um, injecting what's known as an attenuated or a dead or an inactive virus, or they can make artificial um Components of the viral capsule. Um, And the goal is to trigger an antibody response or T cell production. Um, Right now, they're having real issues um, finding uh, vaccine solutions that keep antibody production high. They've been finding that antibody production drops off fairly soon after exposure to COVID. Um, That said, Mm University of Oxford um, and AstraZeneca have been working on a a specific vaccine that triggers both an antibody response and a T cell response. Uh, They've actually had some pretty good success with that. And so they're moving to what's known as phase three trials. Those are going to be human trials, Um, they're going to be large scale. And the only issue that they may find with that is they're going to need. Around thirty thousand volunteers for this, um, it, it, and that's that's what part of the reason why vaccine production is so slow. They have to they have to demonstrate in the beginning that it has um, uh, in vivo uh, capabilities and in vitro capabilities. So they have to make sure that it it works first in a in a lab in a controlled environment. Then they have to make sure it works in a living environment, uh, which is the in vivo. They'll start with, um, you know, small cells. Um, they'll move to small mammals like mice that have immune systems that are pretty close to ours. They're like 94 to 96%, um, similar to a human immune system. Um, and then if they find that the vaccine is successful there, they move to small scale trials. Well, Oxford and AstraZeneca have finished their small scale human trials. And so now they're moving to their, their large, large scale trials. Um, which is good. It's great news. It's just going to take them a while to come up with their results um, because they have to train doctors and personnel and lab technicians all to to carry this out very specifically so they can get um, conclusive data regarding whether or not the vaccine is going to work. That said, there are some large-scale tests taking place around the world. um, In the UK, South Africa has a couple going on, and Brazil has some going on as well. Um, Israel has also made, um, some very good progress in developing various vaccines. Um, and the United States has put, uh, it looks like $3 billion into COVID vaccine development right now. So they're, they're making a big push to make that happen. Um, but because the large scale test takes so long, it's looking like the vaccines won't be ready until about 2021 at the earliest. So that said, they're making progress, um, but it's going to take time because science takes time. So just a, an update on that.
1: So the large scale um, trials, is that basically the last step then?
0: Yeah, usually it is. Um, we're, we're pretty close to it. They, there may be um, additional need for peer review where other doctors um, and laboratories go back and be like, let's see if we can reproduce their results. Um, but in in the most cases, when they move to large-scale testing or, or third-phase testing, um, that means they're pretty close to production. So, in depending on the type of vaccine they're making, sometimes there's a fourth and fifth trial afterwards. Um, but the fact that they've reached this point is is you know tremendously good news for not just our country but the world. I think.
1: Thanks for the update, Vaughn.
0: Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me back, guys. <laughs> All right. is there anything else you'd like to add be safe be healthy you know um get some vitamin d that actually has been proven to help fight off the coronavirus so get some sunshine and enjoy some time outside with family
1: is that just a mental effect or
0: <laughs> no no that's that's an actual thing um yeah so vitamin d uh is is one of the the vitamins that helps regulate your immune system and if you have too low of uh, levels it actually stunts your body's system to fight off viruses so yes getting out and getting sunshine um, helps your immune system it's also been found to help um, your your eyes um, which is a science I don't totally understand don't (laughs) stare at the Sun everyone I'm not saying that but uh, it does it does help your vision as well to get outside for a while
1: Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. And now I have an excuse.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Okay. Waiwanan, for listening to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the podcast on menominee-nsn.gov under the community tab and keep up to date by following us on Facebook at MITW Podcasts. Um, And as I mentioned before, we are doing weekly uh, episodes with Vaughn, and we do want you to send your questions and topic suggestions into us so we can talk about them with him. So um, please send those to us via email at at podcast.mitw.org.